Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Gimel in Maseches Beitza. But we will uh, start on base Ahmed Bey's second line up from the bottom, where we have the Sheet of Reb Yosef. Let's orient ourselves again. We talked about a Beitza Shinolda Beyantiv, and we had suggestions as to what possibly could be. Uh, the issue with the Beitzah Nolda Yontiv, you'll recall, there's a Machlokas, Beit Shalom Beisilel, where Beisilel uncharacteristically says that you cannot eat it. Do we talk, do we talk about why it says Te'achel lo Te'achel versus Mutter Aser? Um, we'll get, well, Tosfos discusses it. The bottom line is it, it's talking about whether it's Mutter or Aser, but it uses it in the language of whether you're allowed to eat it, which in itself is interesting. As we said yesterday, and I think it bears repeating. The Beit HaShinol the Biyantiv, it represents, in a certain sense, the nexus of the two um, biggest topics in Masechah's Beit So as part of our introductory remarks, we said Yantiv, the Halachas of Yantiv, um, and the fact that Yantiv is unique in the sense, as we already mentioned yesterday, that Rebbe, uh, Rebbe Yehuda Nasi, when he arranged the Mishnayos, he arranged Stam Mishnayos with respect to Muktzah, we pointed out the two Mishnahis already um, that discuss Muktza, one later on here in Maseches Beitza and one in Maseches Shabbos. The one in Maseches Beitza is, according to Rabbi Yehuda, who holds that there is Muktza. We already discussed yesterday what it means to say that there is or there isn't Muktza. Everybody agrees about the institution of Muktza. But what it means to say that the default is Muktza is the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda, and that is the Stam Mishnah in Beitza. And the Stam Mishnah in Shabbos is Kirebi Shimon, the Leisle Muksa. When it comes to Shabbos, we hold that the default is that something is Muchan, so to speak. So something is not considered to be Muksa. Fascinating. We'll be digging into this and fleshing it out so much more over the course of time. But, amazingly enough, because that's the topic, right? So like we said, Rebbe, Rebbe Yudha Nasi, already pointed out that on Yontiv, Muktzah is treated differently than on Shabbos, and that becomes a, base, uh, a big, big topic in our daf and in our Masechta. But, in fact, we have said this is not the pshat in our Mishnah, right? <laughs> what I'm saying is, because of the fact that Muktzah is such a big theme in Masechta's Beitzah, if you take your eye off the ball... You might assume that Beit Hashem ought to be Yantiv. You take anybody, right, in Shul and you ask them why would there be Machlokas Becham Becil about whether you could eat the egg, they'll say Muktza. Well, no. Our Gemara yesterday had said that was the Sheet of Rav Nachman and we did not want, like the Sheet of Rav Nachman. Our Gemara dismissed the Sheet of Rav Nachman. Why? Because of the fact that if, in fact, the issue was Muktza, then it would not be unique enough to say that the Beitzah Shinol to be Yantav is Mukta. Because Mukta is Mimanafshach, as Rashi said. Either it's a Tarnagolis that is food that you and the chicken looked at each other the day before and said, you and I both know how this ends tomorrow. Or, right, in which case both the chicken and the egg should be food. Or it's your golden goose that you would never touch in which case both the chicken and the egg should be muktzah. And so we said it almost, and this is why I'm repeating it also, because we're going to say now we're going to complete the four possible pshatim in why the Beit Sashen Oldebi Yantiv has the machlokas between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel, and also because getting to the very end of the daf leaves us at, uh, in the middle 
of a maelstrom of a topic that's sort of a a, 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 a cliffhanger. So we're going to try to uh, nail down right what we uh, our original idea a little bit uh, a little bit better. Uh, in, and uh, spend the long weekend heading into Rosh Hashanah, maybe catching up a little bit of the, the end of Daf Gimel. The idea is like this. The idea is like this. We had said yesterday it's a question of semantics, and Tosas pointed it out, that when you have a koach de teira, so then you should, uh, you should mention that which is the bigger chiddush. So the question is, is it a bigger chiddush that the egg is mutter, even though it's nolad, which is a little more chamor, or, right, like Beit Shammai, or is it a bigger chiddush that the chicken is usher? Uh, like Bezillo. But at the end of the day, and this is why I wanted to point it out, because we want to nail down the four pshatim in our Mishnah. At the end of the day, the reason why we reject Rav Nachman's shita, that it's mukta, is because whatever is good for the goose should be good for the egg, right? Uh, and meaning mukta at its core should apply to the egg and to the chicken in a similar fashion at its core. And that's really what it means, he who sasa. That's really at the core of that pshat, which is to say, if the pshat was mukta, then it would not say beitza shenolda, it wouldn't necessarily zero in on the egg, because the egg and the chicken would have two similar of a pshat. Is that clear enough? I hope. <laughs> Barry's like, just move on. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm explaining why we're rejecting Ornachman, because we're going to discuss all four shitas again. Now, you might recall, that was sheet number one. Rav Nachman says, Mukta, we knocked out Rav Nachman, as we just said, because uh, our mission is called Beitza Shinolda, and there's no reason to single out, there's not a, no, a good enough reason to single out the Beitza, if in fact the Pshat is Mukta. So then we went in the other extreme, which is Rabbah. Rabbah had a Pshat in our Mishnah that was very exclusive to Beitza, which is to say, Hachana de Rabbah. Hachana de Rabbah is that the reason why we have this Machlokas is because this is an egg that was created by the heavens uh, on Shabbos, and this is yuntiv that's mentioned in our Mishnah, is in fact a yuntiv that falls out on Sunday. And in fact, any other yuntiv would also have the same uh, issue, only because of a gazera, right? Uh, a gazera, because if you think that you could eat this egg on a yuntiv, if it falls out on Tuesday, then you might come to eat it on Sunday. Aye, maybe it's a gazera. Gazera, no, chuda, kulachada gazera, we'll get to it. But the point is, that's the gazera, that you can't eat the egg on yuntiv, because we're concerned about yuntiv that falls out on Sunday. We also pointed out in our Gemara that you can't eat this egg on Shabbos because of a possibility of a yuntiv falls out on Friday, because you can't be making from Shabbos to yuntiv, you can't be making from yuntiv to Shabbos. Now, What's unique about this shot is that it's Hachana de Raba. Raba held that this was like a de'oraisa, had to do with the Parshas Haman, the Echinus view. He's kind of on an island with this shot, right? The fact that it's Hachana de Raba is a great honor to Raba. On the other hand, it's also an indication that he's kind of a das yachid with it. Nobody else really saw that deeply into that pasuk as far as that concept of achana. And so now we have our first two pshatim as to why we have this beitza shenolda biyantiv that we started the mistakta with. Rav Nachman who holds it's a muktza issue. That's rejected by the Gemara because that's not unique enough to beitza. Rabbah says it is unique to beitza because it's a achana de Rabbah issue. But that is rejected because Rabbah is the only one that holds of achana de Rabbah. So now we arrive finally at our third and fourth shot. So the second line from the end on Beis and Beis, Rav Yosef Amar, what's the reason that you have this machlokas, Becham Beisilel, Gezeira, Mishum Peros Hanoshrim? Well, 
Paris Hanoshrim, Rashi, the very last Rashi. Let's do the last line here. Dahanami le Paris Hanoshrim mina ilan damya sha'af zu pri Hanoshar. What's Paris Hanoshrim? Paris Hanoshrim is a gazera that, um, that is found uh, with respect to um, with respect to Shabbos, and now we're seeing it with respect to Yontiv, that if you see uh, fruit that's on the ground, right, that just fell off of a tree, you're not allowed to eat it. Are you, now, mind you, on Shabbos, this Tosfos points out, this is a massive kasha, on Yontiv, are you allowed to pluck off a, a fruit off a tree? See, that's an interesting thing. Sha- Yontiv, ochal nefesh is allowed, right? So on Yontiv, famously, we know that you're allowed to cook, right? That you're allowed to do on Yontiv. So does that mean you could do any malacha for the sake of ochal nefesh? Can you pluck a fruit off the tree for the sake of ochal nefesh? That's an interesting question. So let's assume for now that it's Shabbos. Oh. So in Shabbos, right, right, because Rashi says, this last Rashi again, time of debates with Tarnagol, Sames, Lachila, Kudukim, Nebibes, Hilal, the Asrim, Shimperis, and Oshim, Minailan, Bishabbos. Right, he's mentioning Shabbos. So let's stick with Shabbos for now. Let's say it's Shabbos, even though the Mesechta is called Beit Zanolda Biyantiv. <laughs> so, so let's assume it's Shabbos, and you're walking and you see a fruit on the ground. It's already on the ground, Andrew. You don't have to pluck it. It's ready-made. Or as the Rabbi David Katz would say, it's ready-made, baby. Anyway, you have to really listen. His shirim are amazing. Anyway, but it's ready-made. So why wouldn't you be allowed to eat it? So the answer is because of the Gezerah. Because there is, if you get accustomed to eating fruit that fell on the ground, you're going to start plucking. You're going to start plucking fruit, and that is the Isser de Oraisa, a malacha of Kotzer. So, what does this have to do with an egg? So that's what Rashi is saying on that last line, that this egg coming out of a chicken is similar, in a certain sense, to a fruit coming out of the tree. Now, wait a minute. I'm not going to stick my hand in the chicken to pluck a, a, an egg, right? In other words, it's not the same concern. By a fruit, the concern is you're going to end up plucking your fruit off the tree. I'm not going to go stick my hand in a chicken and pluck out an egg. And even if I did, that would not be an Isra de Raisa of Kotzer anyway. So why would you have this Kazera? So the answer, that's why Rashi is focusing. I'm bringing out a little bit of a, of a teasing out alumnus in Rashi here. And, and the Gemara is going to discuss this, but we're going to see. Sha'af zu prihanosher. In other words, if you're making the gezerah, there's a chakira here that Rabbi Ari Leibitz brings out. The bottom line is when the rabbis got together and they had their conference and they made this gezerah, right, they may have included anything that's similar to a pre. That's one way of looking at it. That's, a, I think, a pretty straightforward way of looking at it, that anything that resembles a pre would be included in that gezerah. So you don't look at every case and say, well, where is this headed? You know, Barry... Barry maybe will go get the chicken, you know, Barry's from Harrisburg. You never know what goes on. What happens in Harrisburg stays in Harrisburg. They probably do pluck eggs out of chickens over there. No offense, Barry. Uh, but it is a very, you know, rural area over there. Um, but, the, but the point is that, you know, it doesn't matter whether Barry's going to do that or not. The focus is, since the egg is like a pre, the, whatever gazer would apply to normal fruit where the actual concern would, would exist would apply to the egg as well. Okay? That's called Xerim Shum Paris Anoshrim. That was Rabbi Yosef's suggestion. So now, Abaye challenges Rabbi Yosef as follows. Amalei Abaye, Paris Anoshrim, time Amai, as we finally, at the hopeless time of 5.39 a.m., arrive in Gimel Medalef, time Amai, Xerim Shem Yalev Yidlosh. The reason why you have this for the treats, and now he's speaking it out, is maybe you're going to go, the reason why you can't just take a fruit off the ground on Shabbos is because you're going to go pluck it. 
That's the Isidar Isa of Kotzer, as Rashi points out. So says Abaye, he gufa gazera. That in itself was a gazera, right? Eating trees that fell off the ground is no malacho at all. That's a gazera. The anan nekum v'nigzar gazera la gazera, says Abaye. Are we going to make another gazera on top of that gazera? The gazera of... So what he's saying here is, what's the gazera la gazera? The first gazera is, don't eat the fruit off the ground. The second gazera is, because we can't eat the fruit off the ground, we can't eat the egg that falls out of an egg, uh, of a chicken. That's the suggestion of what the gazera la gazera is. The Gemara rejects that the egg to the fruit now is a secondary step, as follows. Says the Gemara, kula chada gazera hi. No, it's all one gazera, as Rashi already set us up. He says, right, as Rashi says over here, michal gazera shechacham yuhaisa sha'af hi pri in other words, hainuhach, as we say, right? The egg is a fruit. Once you say that the egg is a fruit, it's all in, included in the gazera. So we understand the havamina, right? An egg is not a fruit. But yes, for the purposes of this, conceptually, the egg is the fruit. And therefore, it falls into the category of gazera, shema, yalevi, yitlosh. Um, and therefore, right, that's why we have this issue over here of the baits specifically, because that obviously is not... Right, that's obviously not relevant to the chicken at all. So we have at least, right, resolved our problems with Rav Nachman and with Raba. Right, the problem with Rav Nachman is it wasn't unique enough to Beitza. The problem with Raba is that nobody holds of a of the Raba. Well, Peir Sanoshim, everybody holds of that Gezera, and everybody holds that it would only apply to the fruit, not to the chicken. So that's good. The only question is, Abaye says, is it Gezera or Gezera or not? So we say it's not. Um, and the bigger issue is, you, I thought that that was only an, an issue on Shabbos. Apparently, according to this Mishnah, this Gzeira of Peres Anoshim would apply to Yontav as well, which is a which is a big, uh, which is certainly something major to learn. Um, if you think that that's not a big chiddush, take a gander. We certainly don't have time to, for this, but Tosfos, the first one in Gimel Med Aleph, Gzeira Shami Yalavi Yitlosh. Right away, the red flags go up. Vetema. <laughs> and we say that over there, Tosa is going to start to attack this issue of whether, tackle this issue of whether uh, this Gezerah Shema Yalavi Yitlosh should or should not apply on Yantiv as well as on Shabbos. But be that as it may, uh, he discusses why it would, in fact, right? You have, you have to give an answer um, as to what this, what this would be. Um, with respect to Yantiv. And that's why that toast was, is so robust. Okay, so now we have three reasons, right? We have Rav Nachman, we have Rabbah, and we have Rav Yosef of Gzeras uh, Peran Pesan Nurshim. And now the fourth and final shot. Rav Yitzchak Amar, Gzeram Shum Mashkin Shazavu. Right? Rav Yosef and Rav Yitzchak are usually grouped together because in both cases it's a Gzeera because of something else. And that something else has something to do with fruit. And so in both cases, it's unique to the egg. And also, it's something that everybody holds of. It's just a question of whether it applies to this egg that was born. What did Yitzchak say? Zerim shum mash kin shazavu rashi. The kaimalan asurin leboba yom kidnan vim yatsum yatsman asurin. An interesting thing. Very similar to Paris Hanoshrim. So you may not have known this. But again, this is a, in Shabbos Kufmim Gimel, you have the following idea. Just like you can't eat fruit that fell on the ground because you might go pick the fruit, which is a gazera deraisa of, which is a malacha uh, deraisa of kotzer. Similarly, if you have fruit juice that collected 
in the bottom of a fruit bowl, you should not be allowed to drink that fruit juice. Gezer Shema what? Yeschot, which is a different, right? Deoraisa on Shabbos, right? Of Dash, presumably, right? Different Malacha Deoraisa. And it's a similar idea of this Gezer. And that is what this egg is. That's why I sent you that, uh, um, that image to the daf yesterday, the idea of squeezing a chicken for its egg, right? Is this the gzair shemi? It's close to, similarly, like we said, by the fruit, right? If we see, so that's the question. Is this egg, is it more similar to a fruit that fell off a tree? Or is it more similar to liquid juice that was squeezed out of a fruit? Interesting. The Gemara will address this as follows. Amalei Abaya. So Abaya, he addressed, right, Rabbi Yosef, now he's addressing Rav Yitzchak as follows. Amalei Abaya. Mashkin Shazavu. Time Amai. What's the reason that we didn't allow fruit that already, again, you didn't squeeze this fruit. This is naturally kind of squeezed out. Right? We're going to think that you might go and do schita, which Rashi points out. Schita Sperus told it to Dashi, right? And he's explaining, Rashi explains some of the, right, concept of Dash, which is that you take something and then you kind of squeeze out, right, something out of it. And therefore, similarly here, you might go, what? Squeeze the egg out of the chicken? Not necessarily. Says Abaye, he gufa gazera, vanan nekum benigzar gazera la gazera. Similarly to what he had said to the shot of Rabbi Yosef, he says to the shot of Rabbi Yitzchak, that this idea that you can't have the juice that collects at the bottom of a bowl is in itself a gazera. And certainly an egg does not resemble juice that falls to the bottom of the bowl, and therefore to extend that gazera to an egg in itself would be an additional gazera, and that sounds like it would be gazera le gazera, right? As right, so that's bitmi of not nekum benigazar gazera le gazera. To which again the gemara says kula chada gazerahi. So in both cases, any time really you say kula chada gazerahi, what you have is a tension, right, between two things that the gazera is extending now into something that's a little bit beyond what we thought the original definition was, and we bring it back and say, no, the original definition included it. And guess what, Barry? It's very hard to argue. When they say kul gazerahi, what they're essentially saying is, this is what Chazal had in mind. In other words, they set up the parameters a little bit further out than you, than you initially realized. So, okay, what am I, who am I to argue? I wasn't there at the meeting. So, if that's what Chazal said, that's what Chazal said. So, if you think, uh, if, you're, if you're, right, Rabbi Yitzchak, you're a giant, right, you made it into the Gemara, you wanted, the, you wanted the Chazal, right? So, you think that that's the original Gezer, you know better than me. So, I guess they included an egg as well. Okay, so six lines down, the Gemara of Olive. We explain now four explanations of what Beis Hillel thinks would be the uh, Isser of Achila of the Beit Sashinol de Biyantiv. Okay. So now we're going to explain why we said each one. We already, right, we already teased this. So now this should flow better. Says the Gemara. Kula, Kirav Nachman, right? So we have the, the four Shitas. We have Rav Nachman, Rabbah, Rav Yosef, and Rav Yitzchak. So says the Gemara. Kula, Kirav Nachman, Lo Amri. Everyone else didn't hold like Rav, Rav Nachman. Kikushian. What was our Kasha? The Kasha of that it's not similar enough. It's not unique enough to Beitza. Right, he uveit sasa. That was the kasha. That's what it means. It says kikushan. Okay, karaba nami lamri hachana leislahu. They also didn't hold like raba, which the case was a chana leraba because nobody holds of a chana leraba other than raba. That's why it's called a chana deraba. They don't see that in the pasuk that it's referring to hachana. Uh, this new din de araisa. 
But Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Yitzchak, well, those are very similar. How would you decide whether this egg, it's not really not like a fruit, nor is it like fruit juice. But if you're going to say it's one or the other, what would right, inspire you to think that it's either the fruit or the fruit juice, and as opposed to the other? So says the Gemara, Rabbi Yosef, my time of the Rabbi Yitzchak. Well, Amalach, Beitza Uchla, Operas Uchla, Lafuka, Mashkin, Delav Uchla. That makes sense. In other words, the egg, said Rabbi Yosef, is more similar to a fruit. Because guess what? They're both solid. And therefore, they're both food. And therefore, that's why I thought it was Paris Anoshrim, not Mashkin Shazavu. Mashkin Shazavu sounds more like juice flowing out. Okay. So Gemara asks, okay, Rabbi Yitzchak, my time, Laura, Rabbi Yosef. Why do Rabbi Yitzchak think? That the pshat of Mashkin Shazavu is so much better than Paris Anoshrim, says the Gemara. Amalach, Beitza Bluo, Mashkin Bluin, Lafuke Paris, Demigluve Kaimu. Because the egg, after all, was in fact, right, absorbed in the, in the hen prior to it coming out and being nolad. Don't forget, the mission is talking about it being nolad on Yantiv. So an egg coming out of a chicken is more similar to juice coming out of a fruit. Because after all, prior to coming out of said chicken, or hen, I keep saying chicken, it's fine. Prior to coming out of said hen, this egg was, in fact, non-visible. And similarly, prior to coming out of the fruit, the, the, right, the mashkin shazavu were, in fact, absorbed into the fruit. Masha'en kein, Paris anoshrim, were out there, hanging out there for all to see, even before they fell off the tree. And therefore, the gazera is more similar to um, to Mashkin Shazavu says Rabbi Yitzchak, right, than it is to Paris Hanoshrim, because Paris Hanoshrim were exposed all along, which is not similar to the egg. Okay. Now, now the Gemara is going to get into another very interesting thing. We're going to get into Rabbi Yochanan, the big Gadol from Eretz Yisrael. We're going to see does this, does it, who does he hold like with respect to these four giant opinions, uh, right? Um, this, so, right, Rav Nachman, Rabbi, Rabbi Yosef, and Yitzchak, who is he hold like? So we say, That carries a lot of weight. Rabbi Yochanan was like the big, the big Gadol. Everybody wanted to hear what Rabbi Yochanan had to say about everything. So Rabbi Yochanan, he was like, L'Havdel, I say, maybe not even L'Havdel. He was like the Rav Chaim Kanyevsky of his day. He's sitting in there, it's a straw, and everybody wants to know what he has to say. So he held, amazingly, like Rabbi Yitzchak, Mashkin Shazavu. And we're going to bring a proof. Because he never said it explicitly in Shear, but there's something else that he said in Shear, and all the Talmud are scrambling and figuring out from what he said that he must hold of Rabbi Yitzchak's pshat of Mashkin Shazavu as follows. Because Rabbi Yochanan held the following, he was analyzing Rabbi Yehuda as follows. Let's go. Shabbos Kufbem Gimel as follows. Tanan. We learn in the Mishnah in Shabbos. Ain Sochtin Asaperos Lahotzimain Mashkin. Right? This is where we get into Mashkin Shazavu. This is the locus classicus of Mashkin Shazavu. So that really sets us up, setting up the scene. Says the, the, says the Mishnah in Shabbos Kufmim Gimel, you're not allowed to squeeze fruit to bring out juice. And if you have some incidental uh, fruit juice, that too, you cannot drink. Why? Rabbi Yehuda Omer, im if the fruit, ah, so Rabbi Yehuda slices and dices a, a, a nuance here. If you had fruit that were, you were meant to eat, that you never meant to squeeze out. Watermelon. Watermelon always leaves juice on the bottom, right? 
but nobody ever squeezes a watermelon for juice, at least not as far as I know, right? So you're eating watermelon. So if you have a bowl of watermelon and you see the juice on the bottom, Rabbi Huda says that's mutter because that's not meant to squeeze, right? You could see why Rabbi Huda would say this, right? You would never be tempted to squeeze the watermelon. You'd, li- you'd rather eat the watermelon. And therefore the gazera, according to Rabbi Huda, does not apply to watermelon. However, to oranges, certainly the gazera would apply. And therefore, if watermelon juice collects at the bottom, you can drink it. If orange juice collects on the bottom, you cannot. Because the gazera is, maybe you'll come to do dash of schita. And that gazera only applies to those uh, fruit which you typically squeeze juice out of. So, again, shita's tanakam is, the juice is always also. Shita's rebihuda is, if it's a watermelon, you can, if it's la'ochlin, you can drink the juice. Right? If it, if the juice just, if it's for juice, then that juice which comes out is going to be aser. Oh, okay. So, Rabbi Yochanan concludes from this, Alma, kol ochlin Huda uchla de ifrasi. Interesting. So the first thing he says is like this. According to Rabbi Huda, we see that the watermelon juice is uchla de ifris. Okay? In other words, like this, interesting, right? You might have said that <laughs> there's a concept underpinning here. The fact that Rabbi Yehuda cares about what the fruit was intended for means that whether the juice is mutter or usser is a function of what the fruit was there for. So that means that he's connecting, right, the fruit juice to the fruit. He's not looking at fruit juice as a single entity that's like usser because it's this new thing that came out of the fruit and it's mukta and you can't touch it. So we do have undertones of, right, if something came out of something, there is a mukta, right? Almost hearkening back to Rav Nachman, the idea of mukta where something comes out of something else. But he says, Rabbi does not hold like that. He's looking at the, right, at the, at the original fruit that it came out of and whatever came out of it is going to be considered, um, some, is going to be considered as having a status, right? The juice, Status is going to depend on what fruit came out of. Okay. But, however, says the Gemara Riminhi, however, Rabbi Huda doesn't seem to hold like that when we see it later in, when we see it later in Rosh Hashanah. Soon enough, Dafyomi coincidence. As follows. The Od Amar Rabbi Huda. Here's the other statement of Rabbi Huda as follows. Masne This is talking about Rosh Hashanah. Dafyomi coincidence. Less than one week away. Listen, halfway, here we go. Here we go. What happens? You forgot to take off my sir. Okay. Let's, let's stay, stay away. When we learn Rosh Hashanah, we're going to make a big deal right away about that it's a Yoma Arichta, right? That Rosh Hashanah, that there is no calendrical doubt, so to speak, right? We treat it all the two days of Rosh Hashanah, which you even have in Eretz Yisrael as one long day. Okay, let's set that aside for the purposes of learning this Gemara that we're learning now. And even though we're going to mention in the Gemara, in order to understand this part of the Gemara, you have to understand that Rosh Hashanah is the paradigm of a Sveik Yoma, in essence, because it was a Suffolk Yom everywhere, right? Because whereas everywhere else, if you were in the base of Mikdash, you knew by the time all the other yuntivs, you knew whether, you know, whether the previous month was Malay Chaser, when it came to Rosh Hashanah, nobody knew, uh, it was cases where nobody knew yet. So let's assume that the issue here is one of calendrical doubt. On top of the calendrical coincidence of Rosh Hashanah, we have the calendrical doubt of which day is yuntiv and which day is chol. Now, it's simple. Here we go. We also know that you can't take off Meiser on Shabbos and yuntiv. That you're not allowed to do. Oh. So now, you have here something that you were not allowed to, 
that's something that you forgot to take off Meiser. That makes everything usher in your, in your batch because it's Tevel. You're not allowed to eat Tevel, but you want to eat it. See, so you have enough food for the first day of Rosh Hashanah, but you have guests. Barry and, and Andrew have buried the hatchet, and Andrew is going to Barry's house for a second day lunch Rosh Hashanah. Barry has enough food for his family for the first day. Second day, he's really relying on this food that he has here, and he can't have it be Tevel, but he forgot to take off Meiser. How is he going to explain it to Andrew? Would this rekindle the feud? Perhaps. He doesn't want that to happen. So therefore, Barry makes a tonight as follows. He says, I'm going to take off mental Meiser on day one, and I'm going to take off mental Meiser on day two. And on each day, I'm going to make a tonight. If today is Chol, then I'm taking Meiser off today. If today is Yantiv, then I'm not taking off Meiser. And he does that the first day, and he does that the second day. By the time he's done it the second day, he gets the benefit of a Miman of Shach. Because if yesterday was Chol, then good, yesterday was Chol, and he took off Meiser, and you're ready to go. If today is Chol, then it's okay, because today is Chol, and you took off Meiser, and you're ready to go. So as long as you did it with a Tanai, so then it's, he doesn't fall into, right, he's, he's using the Tanai to protect himself from the Avera of taking off the Meiser on Yantiv, and by so doing, he avoided the Avera, and he managed to take off Meiser on whichever day was Chol, because don't forget, it's a, one of those days must be Chol, because it's a calendrical doubt, and therefore, he must have taken off Meiser on Chol at some point, which is okay to do, and it's effective, right, if you took it off on Shabbos and Yantiv, not only is it Aser, that the Isser would make it ineffective, and therefore, since it's effective, it's going to be now good, and he took off Meiser, all the Tevil is now permitted, and he can feed Andrew and his entourage, okay, Says the Gemara, so now like this. This is what it said in Rosh Hashanah. It says, Right? Oh, I'm sorry. He only needs to make the Tanai on the first day. Because on the second day, it's a, no, I think he needs to make the Tanai. Maybe he could just make the Tanai that it'll be Chal today or tomorrow. Whatever it is, the, pot, the, the issue is like this. Right? We say in Rosh Hashanah, amazingly, Rosh, right? Um, Right, this is obviously Rashi points out that if you hold that Rosh Hashanah Shtei Kedushas, as we just point out, right? But the point is like this: that, right? I'm saying Nasa Truma Me'etmal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Be'etmal Chol Harei Nasa Truma Me'etmal. Okay. Yes, Rashi's saying what I said. Macharas Chozer Omer. He does. He makes Rashi says he makes it tonight both days. Good. I didn't get it out of nowhere. Similarly, you should do that with a beta shenol de berishon. What if a beta, we said beta shenol de biyantiv. What, why don't we put together all the calendrical coincidences the beta was nulled on the first day of yantiv, of Rosh Hashanah? Ah, so then you could eat it for the similar reason on the second day. Now, why can you eat it on the second day? For the same reason. If it was born, right, this is, this was born on the first day. So if the first day was chol, you certainly could eat it right away, but you don't know. Maybe the first day was Yantiv. So the first day is Yantiv, then maybe you, so you can't eat it on that day. But the next day, certainly you could. Because Miman of Shach. If it was born yesterday, right? On the first day of Rosh Hashanah. So if yesterday was Chol, it was born on Chol. It's Mutter. If today is Chol, then even though yesterday it was Aser, then at least then by today, it's a Davish Yeshul Matir, as we'll see, right? By today, it's already Mutter. Right? A Beis know to be Yantiv is only Aser on Yantiv, right? Yeah, according to any of the Shitas. Everybody would agree that a Beis to be Yantiv is Aser, is Mutter on Chol. Okay. Yeah, okay. So therefore, again, the Beitza Shinolda is Mutter on the second day. Now, the inference that Rabbi Yochanan made when he learned that in Rosh Hashanah was Besheni in Berishon Lo. That on the first day of Yantiv, right, 
uh, you're not going to be allowed to eat this egg. Why are you not allowed to be eat this egg on the first day? You're only going to allowed to be uh, to eat it on the second day. So Rabbi Yochanan answers, So what 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 is the issue here? The issue is that because Rabbi Yehuda does not allow the egg to be eaten on the first day, it sounds like he holds of what that there's a problem of mashkin shazavu. In other words, like this. Again, Rabbi Yochanan held the Rabbi Huda's shita that you cannot eat the Beit Shenolda on the first day is a contrast with his shita with regards to whether you could drink the juice, okay, in Maseches Shabbos. That is the issue. Because Rabbi Yehuda, again, Rabbi Yochanan saw Rabbi Huda's shita. When it came to the juice, Rabbi Huda was allowing you to drink the watermelon juice, okay? And therefore, it sounds like he doesn't hold of mashkin shazavu, right? He holds of a separate thing. That if you can't drink the juice, there's a muksa issue, whatever, but he doesn't hold of mashkin shazavu. Otherwise, he would have a problem with the watermelon juice. Oh, and yet, he doesn't, and yet, Rabbi Yehuda doesn't let you eat a Beit HaShanolda on the first day of Rosh Hashanah. Wait a minute. What, why would he not let you eat it? So you could say any one of the four reasons that we say that's the problem with Beit HaShanolda. But Rabbi Yochanan saw it as a stira. The fact that Rabbi Yochanan brings these two sources and says that they are a stira to one another, that in itself shows that Rabbi Yochanan must have viewed the issue with the Beit HaShanolda to be one of Mashkin Shazavu. Ah, we finally got to it, right? That's amazing. That we think that Rabbi Yochanan holds of Mashkin Shazavu because when he's analyzing Rabbi Yehuda, he's making a comparison between a base of Shenolda and fruit that got squeezed out. Now that we say it like that, why didn't I say it like that in the first place? It's so simple. Okay. Because we had to at least understand what the words meant up to that point. Okay. So now, so how did Rabbi Yochanan resolve this? This is an issue. Rabbi Yochanan had in Shir one resolution. He said, Muchlefes Hashita. Wow. That first Mishnah, right, the second Mishnah doesn't have two Shitas. The first, right, the, the Rosh Hashanah one just has Rabbi Yehuda. The first Mishnah in Shabbos Kuthmim Gimel has a Tanakama and Rabbi Yehuda. So Rabbi Yochanan had to switch and say that Rabbi Yehuda is the Tanakama and therefore he holds of Mashkin Shazavu. But be that as it may, Rabbi Yochanan holds, right, right in other words, he's offering, he's switching and saying that Rabbi Yehuda offers the watermelon juice and the orange juice. But by so doing, he's still consistent with himself that it's a Mashkin Shazavu issue. That's how Rabbi Yochanan resolved the inconsistency between Shabbos Kufmim Gimel and Rosh Hashanah. Now we're going to bring other ways of reconciling those two sources. Right? Since Rabbi Yochanan contrasted those two statements to each other, to each other, right? He had, however, the same reasoning. Right in the two cases. So clearly, what the mission is just bringing out here is again that umanda asubaha asubaha v'sharibaha Right, as the uh, second to last, the penultimate Rashi in Gimel Amalav says, Rami Rabbi Yochanan Mashkin Shazavu Dadi. What we just said, the fact that he holds that those two right um, are comparable means that he holds that the problem with Beitzah Shenolda is Mashkin Shazavu, as Rav Yitzchak had said. Now, that is, the first resolution is Let's do quickly the three other, right, uh, ways to resolve those two cases, and with that we'll close. So, Ravina Amar, La'olam Lotepoch. You don't have to go drastic and be machad the shita. Rabbi Yehuda, Ludivreim, Darabonon, Kamalu. Rabbi Yehuda wasn't really just saying his own pshat. That's why it's not a contrast. Rabbi Yehuda is just telling Rabbanon, according to you, 
right? I hold that it's even permitted on the first day of Rosh Hashanah. The Uchla de Ifrasu, because I don't hold of, I hold of Uchla de Ifras. But according to you, Rabbanan, right, you don't allow an egg even on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. So Odoli Mias to Besheni Sharia. You should at least admit to me, right, in the Rosh Hashanah case, that it should be Motur de Shtei Kedushasain. Because Rosh Hashanah, after all, is Shtei Kedushos. Right? In other words, there is a mean shach born out of a calendrical doubt on Rosh Hashanah that's inherent to it. However, as we famously say, the daf yomi coincidence with respect to Rosh Hashanah, what would the Rabbanon answer? Rama the Rabbanon, lo, Kedushas Achati. It's one Kedusha. That is the Ravina. Now the Gemara says, Ravina Bereder of Ula Amar. This is a separate Ravina. This is a different Ravina. Uh, third shot. Hacha betanagos amelagal beitzim. Rebihudu de islay mukta. Right? This is this different thing. It's Tanagolas, so Ahmed the God of the Beitzim. And so we get back to the idea of Mukta. That's Ravina Bereder of Ula. Right? That is the case in Ervin. Right? And therefore, that is why, uh, that, that is why they say that. So now, basically, we bring now a Brisa. We examine the four explanation of Mishnah in light of a Brisa that comes up later. So now we're going to get into what I was uh, describing earlier, that we have a Brisa that indicates that an egg is very, very muksa indeed, so to speak, and, and brings back the concept of beta with uh, muksa. You can't be metatalit. The only thing you could do, which is actually, Tosus points out, is actually a chiddish, right? That you could actually cover it with a kli, which is not pashut, because, and therefore, viminis arva be'elef kula nasuras. Not only that, it's so muksa that if, in fact, right, it was mixed with a thousand other eggs, it would not actually be, uh, batel, and that is, in fact, a question the Gemara then says, bishalem rabba damar shemachana, havisveka daraisa, vachalsveka daraisa lechumra. That we, that remember, the idea of a chana de rabba is one of the oraisa. Whenever you have a suffix d'oraisa, that's l'chumra. All the others, Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yosef, right? They are saying zera shema, right? Rav Nachman we already dealt with. We said that we didn't like his pshat because, or we rejected that pshat because it wasn't unique enough to beitza. But at least, so that's set away. Rabba sounds like this b'risa that makes the beitza very, very usser indeed, right? Because he holds that it's a d'oraisa. A chana de rabba is a d'oraisa. And Rabbi Yitzchak and Rabbi Yosef don't sound like they're consistent with that b'risa because, in fact, the beitza is only a gazera, and if it were a gazera, it would be only an isra and if it's only an isra then maybe it should be batal. And, in fact, the b'risa said that it's not batal. Later, we end up saying, maybe because of Dava Sheshul Matirin, the rest of Gimel Amad Beis and spilling over onto most of Dalad Amad Aleph is this discussion of why the Beitza Shenolda should be so usher that it is not Batel. So we're, we leave ourselves in the middle of Gimel Amad Beis, a little homework for Rosh Hashanah, you're not taking naps anyway. And Bezrat Hashem, everybody should have a good Gebenched Yor.